Welcome to Triumph, a show about God's mercy and post-abortion healing. I'm Tim Welsh, Executive Director of Bethesda Healing Ministry, an organization that's been around for 25, 26 years actually. And that organization is dedicated to helping women and men through the sadness and pain of an abortion experience and into a more joyful and triumphant life. You know, post-abortion stress and even trauma is a, is a very well-known phenomenon, but there aren't very many people that want to talk about it. Everybody, of course, wants to talk about the legalities of abortion, and they want to talk about the political realities, and the competing sides are always at uh, odds with each other and one of the most long-lasting and contentious debates in American history. But left behind and left in the wake are the women and the men who are damaged by the abortion experience. In this show, we hope to unmask some of the secrets and bring into light some of the complexities associated with post-abortion stress. And I'm here with my co-host, my wife of 41 years. Holy cow. Yeah, really. Uh, Hi, Joe. This is Joe Welsh. Hello. So one of the wonderful things of marriage, I think, is 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 actually becoming one. You know, when we were first married, we they, they talked about becoming one. And I don't know how many people actually know what that means or, or have thought about what that means to them. But what it means to me is sort of the melding of our histories and the melding of our stories, if you will. To start off, you know, when we were dating, you had a, you had your story and I had my story and then – then they, then your story kind of became my story, and my story kind of became your story. And then ultimately, as we've grown together um, in our marriage, it has all become our story. So today I thought it'd be good to sort of lay some groundwork and talk about your story and my story and then, then our story. So you ready to get started? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Any comments you want to make before we go? No. Nope. Okay. So, so tell me about you were um, you were raised in a Catholic school. Yes. You went to Catholic schools yes. for six years, yes. and and um, just kind of pick it up from there and tell me about uh, what happened with you from there. Sure. So, as um, Tim said, yes, I was raised Catholic. My mother's Catholic. Uh, my father was not Catholic. In fact, didn't even believe in God. So it was quite an interesting uh, duo, the two of them. Um, I went to Catholic school through sixth grade, and then uh, mom and dad uh, let us choose where we wanted to go, and we could go to public school if we wanted to, or um, continue on with Catholic school. And I I chose public school because that looked a lot more exciting in my my eyes. My brothers had already chosen to go to uh, public school, so, you know, they were, they were, um, I think they were having a pretty good time of it. But anyway, I um um And you were you were in a neighborhood that there were a lot of kids that went to public school. I mean Charlie oh, yeah. and all those guys. They right. All, they all went to public school. Right. Right. Yeah. So it was it was a big neighborhood. Um a lot of kids. I, I wanna say there were five hundred kids, right? Yeah. We'd run around all day, you know, drink out of the hose and come in at dinner time or when it got dark or whatever. Perfect. Perfect. So um and my mom was the oldest of twelve, so she had lots of um 
you know, siblings and I had lots of first cousins, lots of first cousins in, in not only in the neighborhood, but, um, in school. So I had a lot of, um, relationships there and, and just, you know, I just knew a lot of kids because of the neighborhood too, pretty much. Um, after I decided to go to public school, I, um, you just, um, you were, you were kind of, a. I've seen pictures, so you don't you don't have to say it. I, you're you're kind of a <laughs> chubby, chubby little girl, and you had those funky uh, the cat eye the cat eye glasses glasses that, uh, naturally curly hair, which is really the, by was, the way was like the best thing. Everybody today loves those cat eye glasses, but the, back right. then they were real. Yeah. I thought I looked pretty good then too, yeah, and I'm my sure mom even did. told me I was beautiful well, pretty much she was every your day. Mom. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, so you got you, you started to lose a little bit of weight. You started to um uh you you got rid of the glasses, which by the way were really strong strong glasses. They were po- what we used to call pop bottle glasses, right? They right. Were, oh yeah. Your it was, correction it was, was great. Pretty, yeah. Pretty Since I was in second grade. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um moving into high school, I, you know, like you said, shed a few pounds, got rid of the glasses and kind of just embraced that wild naturally curly hair that i had Mm -hmm. and boys started noticing me so you know kind of for the first time in my life and um i started a relationship with a a guy in high school and he was not really that great of a boyfriend if you want to call him that he um hung out with his friends most of the time but um called me you know when he wanted to hang out with me so we dated for like an e- a year and a half, and uh, that was kind of how our relationship went. And then I was uh, going into my junior year, and I was pregnant at 16. So that was, um, yeah, a real turning point in my life. I um, waited till I was about four months pregnant to really even tell my mom and by that point, even though um, Roe v. Wade had already, you know, that had gone through, I I was like 16 weeks pregnant. I was like four months pregnant. So there was no way I was going to have an abortion, right? So um, my mom would never have allowed that anyway. But for me, it kept coming up that I just wanted to get back to my kind of my teenage life. I, sure. I really, I really messed up. So let me ask you a question. I've sure. never really asked you this before. So so maybe uh, this may be a little too personal, but but what were the kind of pressures that you felt? Because I think I think that all it all starts with with disrespect for women and disrespect for um, their their um, I don't know how to put it their their sanctity and their their. Um, the sacredness of the woman and when she says no it means no that whole bit you know i mean what what were the pressures that led you to to uh the sexual experience with your boyfriend um i mean or were there i mean i don't well it was almost like I i feel like it was kind of because of our relationship because he didn't really care that much about me but he still wanted to um, say that we were going together steady or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess our relationship, it, it relationship progressed to the point where I'm thinking, well, maybe this is what will like make him really like me or whatever. 
it was just, it seemed like it was just kind of the next thing in our relationship. Oh, okay. So, uh, and that's, it was more pressure, you know, from maybe, I don't know if it was pressure from him or kind of my feeling like that was going to be the thing that made us a good couple. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I, but the, the, you didn't feel any pressure from like girlfriends, like you know, all the cool kids are doing it, that kind of stuff. No, not really, because I didn't have a lot of girlfriends in high school, and I didn't share a lot of this relationship with them because, um, it would probably, you know, it didn't really stand the test of the light of day kind of thing, you know, like it, it wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I didn't really talk about it that much. So at age 16, you became pregnant and, mm-hmm. and uh, in a small town of Lancaster. Yeah. And uh, everybody knows everybody, and everybody right. knows everybody's business, right? Right. Everybody's all up in everybody's business. Well, and you're related. I'm related to half the town, most too. Most of the county, yeah. 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 And I guess that was my point when I was talking about my mom and my cousins and my mom and dad lived in Lancaster their whole lives, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was a big deal. Of course, it, it was a big deal. I'm not saying it was a big deal, because they thought it was a big deal. It was a big deal. So so then what? What uh, you, you told your mom at, at four months-ish? Yes. Yeah, and then, um, so then I kind of thought, okay, the pressure's off now. I'll just... Um, you know, we, we actually did go to a clinic. I think it was Planned Parenthood in Newark. And, you know, the woman was saying, this is, you know, the, the, this is your option. Go to New York um, to have an abortion. And my mom's like, no, that's not happening. So we went to um, Birthright in Columbus and um, met with a, a wonderful volunteer, Donna. And... My mom was just wanting to know the options because my mom thought, well, we can get her into like a unwed mother's home or something like that, right? That was kind of her thought. But they didn't offer that at the time. And um, they had host families, though, that would um, let women come and stay, young, young women come and stay, you know, for the duration of their pregnancy, so um, she gave me a couple of names, and I quickly went with the first one I went to and um, moved in with them in, like, October. So mm. it was pretty quick. I went there and visited them once and then moved in with them. It was it was kind of, you know, uh, it was a, a rash decision, but I just wanted to get away from my parents, sort of, you know? I didn't want them looking at me disappointed anymore you know it's rather fascinating to me joe that i that i've never we've never talked about either i don't know why we're doing this on the air so everybody can hear it but um (laughs) it's great it's perfect yeah why not um you you don't really mention anything about your dad in this whole thing i mean i've heard this story a number of times and it's always about my mom did this and my mom did that and 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 i've always had a I've always had a theory, and I think when I was running uh, PDHC, it it bore out that most abortions are, and and most uh, women um, get a little bit concerned about their pregnancy when they're teenage women or or uh, unwed um, pregnancies or unplanned pregnancies happen. Um, 
it's the man in the life that causes all the stress. Like mm-hmm. it's, oh, my dad's going to kill me or my boyfriend's going to kick me out or, or whatever it happens to be. Sure. Um, uh, and it's fascinating to me that you're, you mostly focus when you tell this story on your mom. What, what was the relationship with your dad at the time? Well, he, um, he worked a lot. And he was gone a lot. I mean, just he worked in a factory, but he worked long hours. Mm -hmm. Um, He was very upset with me, to say the least. Yeah, sure. And um, told me I was never to see that boyfriend again. Kind of like drew the the line in the sand Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, But he wasn't, I mean, we never had any conversations other than that. That was kind of it. He threw down the gauntlet and then pretty much my mom took over from there. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's about it. I knew, I, I mean, I knew I disappointed him and I disappointed both of them, but um, I, yeah, he and I just didn't talk about it. So um, you made an adoption plan yes. for the, uh, for the child, a young boy in yes. March of 1974. Four, is that yes. right? Uh, don't really sure what the don't really know what the date was, but you were you were a very courageous young woman to have gone through all of that to to go to the doctor's appointments by yourself, to go to the um, uh, attorney's offices by yourself, mm-hmm. all that stuff. You, mm-hmm. you had a mentor uh, from birthright by the name of Donna. Yes, Donna. And, yes. And they and and you you had somebody to kind of hold your hand, but largely you just did it all yourself. And I think that that's a great testimony to your to your character. Uh, we'll get into the the next step uh, here in just a second. You're listening to Triumph, a show about God's mercy and post-abortion healing. I'm Tim Welsh, and I'm here with my co-host, my wife uh, of 41 years, Joe Welsh, on Saint Gabriel Radio. Um, 820 on the AM dial. So, um, so, okay. So, so that goes by, you come back into school and, Mm -hmm. and, um, I can imagine, you know, nobody talks about it, but everybody knows. Right. Right. That's the way it, (laughs) I think that's how it, I think that's how it went. Yeah. And I, and I have to say, and we've said this before, that's a, that, that had to be a very difficult time because of all of the stigma associated with that. Not only at that time, it was the early seventies, you know, that time of, uh, kids can be pretty cruel, you know, mm-hmm. young people can mm-hmm. be rather cruel to each other. And I'm sure that you, you, uh, withstood a lot, an awful lot of that. But so, so you, you, did you or did you not kind of sever ties with the boyfriend or was that just, did um, that just kind of float out to sea anyway? Yeah, it just, it did just kind of float out to sea. I think after that, um, after coming back, I, I didn't have any really contact with him while I was gone, um, 1973, 74, um, no cell phones, mm-hmm. um, dry, going to Columbus was a big deal, right? You sure. just, just didn't drive to Columbus, you know, every day like we do now. And, um, and I think after that, then I guess doing the adoption plan, maybe and that was a total rejection of him as well. Because he thought that I should maybe uh, let his aunt, his aunt, raise the child, mm-hmm. and my father said, "If you come home with the child, 
you will find another place to live. So, yeah. wow. so pretty much I didn't have any choice there. But um, it, I, I really, I just really wanted to get back to my teenage life, yeah, right? Sure. I was 16 and I wanted to just do high school stuff. Absolutely. So th- this is all context for the next part of the story, right? I mean, yeah. so so you get back into school, you you start having a much better time of your life, I think, probably, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you run into a dashing young man by the name of Tim Welsh at a uh, at Ohio at Ohio University. That's right? true. Yes, and he yes. made you laugh, and you yeah. you liked uh-huh. him. Blah blah blah. Right. <laughs> I think you're telling your so, story. Now. That is my story. I mean, that's the way I remember it. Let's put it that way. So. Um, you didn't. You had your butt, your sweater buttoned off when the first yeah, day right. I, I met you. It was off, uh, off, off one a, button, off one button. But so, I still liked you. So anyway, let's get let's get back to okay. you. Um, so we started dating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and we became sexually active. Yes. Um, so it's your turn to talk now. Oh boy. So. Um, in 1977, 19, I was 19, I was young, yeah. um, I became pregnant, mm-hmm. and I told Tim that, okay, I'm having an abortion. You can't talk me out of this. This is what's happening. That's, this is my recollection, recollection of the story. So I just said, this is what's happening. I am not going through what I went through earlier in my life at 16 with my parents, and then then add your parents on top and your family. I was just like, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. So um, a friend of mine had, uh, her sister had had an abortion. Isn't it crazy that I knew somebody else? And um, just a month or so prior, and uh, I called her. And she, um, she and her sister took me to the clinic and um, went in just kind of like with blinders on, right? I There were people outside. I, re- I recall people praying and, um, but I, I didn't look at them. I just, I just went in. I'm like, I got to do this. I got to get my life back. If I do this, then like I'll erase everything and, you know, just be perfect again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, went through that whole process. Very, um, very clinical. I mean, as you can imagine, it's a clinic, but um, very stark white. I remember everything being white, white gowns, white walls. And uh, they grouped us together kind of like in groups of 10. And um, and then we just sat in these rooms waiting to be called and waiting for our name. And so then, you know, your name's called, you go and... Um, the procedure and the doctor is yelling at me because I'm just like freaking out, of course. And um, so then it's over and I go to the recovery room and there are, you know, there are women, some in just kind of all stages of recovery, right? There, some are crying, some are, you know, just fine. Some are, um, you know, just lying there on cots and and uh, me, I'm I'm throwing up because my body is totally rejecting all of this, right? And uh, so that was kind of how that all went. And so, so as you 
as you were describing it, you, you said the doctor was yelling at you because you were freaking out. What, what, what were you freaking out about? Um, well, it was painful, mm-hmm. for one thing, and um, it was um, pretty uncomfortable. And I, you know, he told me just to be still. And I, I don't know if I was thrashing around or whatever. And the nurse, I remember her in my ear just, you know, talking me through it, kind of. I mean, they give you like a Valium or something to make you kind of relaxed. But the reality is, this is not a walk in the park. Well, and this was only four years after uh, Roe versus Wade. And, and certainly, um, I don't think they were quite as attentive to anesthesia or or the comfort of, of, of the uh, individual. So, um, so you, you go through the recovery, and, and um, I remember very vividly that this is terrible of me. I was away. I was mm-hmm. someplace with a friend of mine. We were on the East Coast someplace. Um, and you came back, and then, then uh, what was that like after afterward? I mean... Yeah, I just, you know, definitely kind of relief that, okay, and I kept thinking, this is just going to wash everything away. Kind of like, this is going to cover everything up, and I'm going to be fine. And I just wasn't fine. But you know, everything I knew and or heard was that this was not a big deal. You know, this is legal, so it should be okay. I should be able to just uh, carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always something there, but I was never able to express it because I didn't know. I guess I didn't. I, I guess I didn't know that it was that I might feel this way. Right, because I never heard anything um, like this could be difficult emotionally. You only hear about the physical part of it. That you know, look for these signs. If you know, then come back and see us or call us if this or this happens. But nobody talks to you about the whole emotional kind of um, feeling. Kind of just you've got a hole there that you just can't seem to fill or, or express. And you were really once again, just left to your own devices. Basically you were our, you would, you had been through this, uh, once with, with your parents and, mm-hmm. uh, with a boyfriend who pretty much abandoned you. And then you were going through it again with another boyfriend who basically abandoned you again. Right. I mean, it's yeah. essentially yeah. I was I was young and stupid and didn't know what I was doing or what I was supposed to do. And um, uh, I wasn't there for you either. So what was yeah. that? Tell me what that was like. Uh, well, it was really it was very sad because but I was looking at my friend who had had an abortion that, you know, I was with and um she seemed to be okay, you know, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll be better, you know, in a little bit. Um, but I never understood how I was supposed to feel about it, I guess. And 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 you being gone, that was a real that 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 really stunk. Sure, for sure. Um, but I don't know. 
um, I don't think it was like, you know, the end of the world for me or anything like that because they took me, I mean, one of the girls was getting married. We went out wedding gown shopping for heaven's sakes afterwards. I mean. Just immediately after the procedure. Yeah. That's amazing. That's why we, well, you know, we had to, you know, we drove all the way to Columbus. I mean, come on. you got to do something. If you're all the way up here. At that but, time. you know, I thought it was going to be, you know, I thought it was, I thought the way I was feeling was abnormal because because of her. And I never heard anything that it was difficult or anything. Well, Nobody I, ever talked about it. And I think that's really what the abortion industry wants you to think is that it's yeah. you that's having the abnormalities and it's not. It's not them that's doing anything out of the ordinary or or, mm-hmm. or that shouldn't be done. It's you that are feeling out of the ordinary. Right, right. Um, and that's that, I think, is what leads to the whole post-abortion stress stuff is that mm-hmm. you, you can't – you have no it, – it's that disenfranchised grief that you have no place to talk about it because nobody believes that, that it should be any big deal, right? right. I mean, right. golly. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for for being honest here, and thanks for your candor. And and I I just am uh, uh, in awe of the fact that you can talk about this as openly and as freely as you do. And it's um, it's just uh, sometimes it's a little painful for you, and it's a little painful for me too. Mm-hmm. But I think as we move forward, this lays a little groundwork for the future shows, mm-hmm. and it lays some mm-hmm. groundwork for some understanding for some folks and. Um, we're hoping that uh, we can bring in some some good guests as we move forward yeah. and, and and explore these things a little bit more deeply. No more deeply than you want to, <laughs> I promise. But, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a crazy world. Well, yeah. thanks for, thanks for um, yes. uh, being so open, Joe, as usual, mm-hmm. and, and I've just fallen in love with you all over again. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Thanks for joining us on Triumph this week. Um, Until next month, uh, go to stgabrielradio.com and look us up and listen to the shows out there. And and always listen to uh, St. Gabriel Radio uh, 820 in your car because it's the best ride you'll ever have. Thanks for joining us.